We are live for another episode of Trigger Proof Transmissions. This time, we're talking about abandonment anxiety, abandonment wounds. I have my notes here because I had uh, some things that I wanted to write and share with you uh, about the most common abandonment wounds to watch out for. Why is that important? Well, I look at my life, I look at my relationships and the trauma bonding that we unconsciously merge into with all the right intentions. And it, if I really look, and I'm being completely honest, the fear of abandonment is the driving, unconscious, motivating behavior behind most of our trauma bonds. It's why we don't speak up and, sp and speak our truth because, oh, if my truth is not going to be accepted by you, you're going to reject me and then I'm going to be alone. So I'm just going to stuff it down. And so I'm going to go into that a little bit today um, and why it's important for us to uh, look at this, to, to be able to be the observer to ourselves so that we can take these unconscious patterns make them conscious, and then create a new pathway in the snow. From the old kind of familiar pathway that's been deeply grooved uh, from the wiring that has been kind of uh, conditioned from our past. So we have a bunch of new people in our community. If you're brand new and you're listening to me for the first time, Welcome. My name is Dr. Nima Romani, and uh, I'm a retired chiropractor. And you might be wondering why a retired chiropractor uh, would be at all interested in talking about abandonment wounds. Why? <laughs> I sometimes ask myself the same question. Um, the, the reason is, is because I started noticing patterns in people with chronic pain chronic illness patterns, fibromyalgia, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, they all had very similar uh, kind of um, personality patterns. I was wondering, you know, throughout my career, I started, I graduated in 2001 and I retired in 2021 because I made this startling discovery. I couldn't put words to it, but I could feel that there was this unholy union behind chronic illnesses that I was seeing in my practice and uh, just the types of people that got these illnesses. And if I could just be crude and crass and just sum it all up, it was kind of like people with more of kind of like a doormat type of energy, chronic pleasers, uh, you know, just self-abandonment here. I'm going to sum it up with one, you know, spare you, have you watch some of my other content. And I have one actually, you can watch uh, chronic illness and, and pain, what they don't tell you. I have a YouTube video uh, that talks a little bit about this. So I'm not going to go into that in detail. I'd, I'd rather you watch that on YouTube. Um, chronic illness and pain, what they don't tell you, just search Dr. Nima, chronic illness and pain. And I I talk a lot about it, specifically things like chronic illness, chronic fatigue, uh, Lyme disease even, you know, that comes from a tick. But why do some people heal and some people don't? It's not just about the um, 
the antibiotics that you get. So there's a real weird, anybody who's been working in the health industry, health field for longer than 10 years will tell you unequivocally that there's a link between mind and body. And I was just very fascinated by that. So about 15 years, 10 years into my practice, I started creating these workshops in my office called Life Skills for a Stressful World, where I just wanted to teach people how to become their own medicine. And I created a methodology that helped you shift the perspective of your past so that you weren't living with a victim story. Because one thing I notice is people who were stuck with victimhood about their past, they just wouldn't heal. It was just no matter what you threw at them, there's just this, it's like they're carrying these rocks in their backpack. I want you to look at an unresolved past uh, like you're having rocks in your backpack. And I don't care if you say, oh, I've forgiven my mother, I've forgiven my father. I'm talking about your body is holding on to this resentment. Your body is holding on to guilt, something you feel that you've done wrong or incorrectly your body is holding on to guilt and this unresolved unexpressed guilt that we just don't want to deal with turns to for example autoimmune problems right they don't talk about that in your at the doctor's office they just say here take this remedy take this medication but you and i both know you truly deep down if you're listening to this believe that there is a link between your mind and body and that your emotions, your unresolved emotions from your past are spilling into your present and the stuff that we don't want to look at, the stuff that we've buried, ends up burying us because we haven't learned the delicate art of uh, integrating all of these shadow parts of us that have come out in you know protection from the traumas that we faced. So putting it all together over to make a long story short from the last 10 years i put together this methodology called the overview method which is which is a cognitive and a somatic kind of integration on healing attachment wounds because i realized that my unresolved attachment wounds from childhood from each relationship that was kind of broken down without integrity I want you to look at every relationship as an attachment, like a string. And you lose somebody, you suffer a grief or a loss, we have loss. Life is a series of attachment and loss. Attachment and loss. So by the time you're in your 30s and 40s, with all of the, think of all the attachments and losses that you've been accumulating throughout your years, all the grief all of the resentment, all of the shame, all of the betrayal, all of the abandonment. It's of no surprise that you in your 30s and 40s start to walk through the planet with this fear of abandonment. That's abandoned. That's 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 unresolved attachment trauma. So when I discovered this, I was like, holy shit, first and foremost, I got to figure this out in my own life because I'm a smart guy. I have a lot going for me, but why is it that my relationships don't work? I had to figure out why and, and, and to, to come up with some sort of a solution for that. And that's when I created the overview method. And so 
you know, my first priority was to heal those attachment traumas and to find a secure relationships and I, secure relationships with men. I wasn't having good relationships with men. There was always this feeling of sizing up in competition. My family, there was definitely not healthy relationships. I was carrying resentment in my body, even though I had done so much work with Dr. John Martini and balancing my perspectives and finding the, the, the in, intricate order. I still had this deep sense of um, resentment that I was carrying, and it was evident when I would come and visit my parents. I could do all the forgiveness and thank you letters and all that stuff and burning and whatever, but the real question is, when you're around those, pers th those people, your mother, you give them a hug, what happens inside your body? This is a good indicator of the level of healing that you've done. And so I look now, we just had Christmas on the recording of this is just after Christmas in 2022, just about to hit 2023, December 27th in the recording of this. And we had Christmas and it was the most enjoyable Christmas. My parents came, uh, my son was there. He was just like loving on his grandparents. My wife and I were so bonded. We even had an argument a couple days before about Christmas dinner and what we wanted and didn't want and you know all that, but we were able to repair it beautifully, swiftly. It was beautiful. And then have a drama-free, very enjoyable, relaxing Christmas dinner with my parents. Four years ago, that wasn't possible. And it was because I went through this journey of learning the five pillars that it takes to heal attachment trauma. And so, Today, I run a um, offer. I have Cycle Breakers communities where I teach people who've been following cont my content exactly like you who are like, fuck it, I'm ready to actually learn. You know, this is something I'm finally ready for. I'm ready to stop watching YouTube videos. They've been helpful. They resonate with me. I get it. I feel like you're speaking directly to me. Some people, I get a lot of hate, hate as well who call, call me out for... They, they feel that I'm victim blaming. And, I, and this is really, it just came up in a post in my community when I shared it. It's called, am I the toxic one? And um, this is a question that people sometimes ask when they're on their healing journey. You start off blaming the other person, feeling like the victim and that's what, that's their fault and I, I can't take fault. And you use words like blame and fault a lot and toxic. And as you go through your healing journey, you reach a point where you're like, all right, so wait a second. Maybe there's something inside of me I haven't really looked at. Why do I keep attracting narcissists? Why do I keep getting abused and keep going back and constantly researching on you googling youtube googling and youtube videos on narcissistic abuse and all that which is helpful to make sense of what's happening when you've gone from complete darkness <gasps> holy shit that's what's happening but the problem i see is that people get kind of sucked into the kind of like they go down the the rabbit hole of narcissistic abuse recovery and you start pointing fingers and not realizing there's three fingers pointing back at us that are wise to take some responsibility for why we keep taking this fucker back. <laughs> I don't want to look at myself. Like, 
in my last relationship, you can look at all of the, I mean, I did the same thing, research. I re researched all of it. I looked at the traits of narcissism for, in my case, traits of borderline personality disorder. I'm like, fuck, I didn't realize I was dating a undiagnosed borderline. No wonder there was this intense fear of abandonment, dissociative identity to the point where, boom, there's a huge level of entitlement, smear campaign, flying monkeys, literally anything that you have that you could kind of throw at me that says narcissistic abuse and all that, I'm basically in the process of untangling from it. That's what my healing journey has been about. And I know how alluring it can be to go down that rabbit hole and not do the inner work of looking at myself and going, Nima, why were you a perfect match for a borderline? Well, because you were carrying your own narcissistic traits. Well, why were you a perfect match for a narcissist? Well, because you were carrying some deep codependency and codependency on the extreme on the cluster B personality scale is borderline, right? And I'm not here to diagnose anybody. I don't think that these diagnoses are helpful in the long run. Sure, we can look at them. It's helpful to go, oh, okay, this is what I can expect from that behavior. It makes sense. But many people, here's my point, many people stop there. They don't look and go, hmm, Nima, why were you the perfect match for somebody with that kind of behavior, with that kind of personality disorder, with that kind of wounding, which all of it is just a response to trauma, by the way. Let's throw the labels away and go, why? I mean, this is their personality profile. Why were you the perfect match? Well, because your unresolved wounding perfectly matched theirs. It was an unholy dance, twisted dance of unresolved wounding that was perfect for one another and they're responsible for their healing. But since they're not the ones doing the research and wanting to do the work to heal and take responsibility, why don't we then do the inner work of healing? Because that becomes the best armor. If we don't look at these abandonment wounds, which I'm about to share with you right now, and take ownership and do the work to resolve them, then guess what happens? We're constantly pointing fingers, playing the victim, fearing another perpetrator, not trusting in anyone, because truthfully, we don't trust ourselves. How could I have been so blind? is what we keep going. How could I have been so blind? And once we do the inner work and we understand attachment trauma, we understand the nervous system, we understand the polyvagal theory, we understand the neuroscience of attachment, we go, oh, of course I was the perfect match for that person at the time. And I'm committed to healing and creating an armor around me so that that type of person, which I was once very attracted to, believe you me, the borderline that highly sexually charged using sex to manipulate. Ooh, I was the perfect victim for one of those peeps, <laughs> which then I became the perpetrator because of, as they know exactly how to, it's called projective identification, turn you into 
the villain, all of a sudden I became the villain and then I acted like the villain in this drama triangle whereas the villain, the victim, and the rescuer, we gotta really see and own our role in all of it. At the end of the day, a trauma bond begins because neither party is willing to take responsibility and heal and become the embodiment of self-love. Self-love is the armor against those types of toxic relationships. Because if you're, think about it, if you're Googling narcissists and cluster Bs constantly and you're consumed by it day and night and just talking about it and entering these forums where you're just pointing fingers and diagnosing people, you're really not asking the question, why was I the perfect match for the cluster B type of person? Because a whole healthy, whole and complete human being isn't attracted to that energy level. You attract the level that you're at to the exact degree of emotional maturity that you're at, you're at. Otherwise, if you're ascended, that level wouldn't be attractive to you. You'd be like, ew, who wants to date a child? Right? But when you haven't healed, you haven't taken a look at your unresolved wounds, then you are a perfect match for somebody at that same level and you now have entered this twisted dance of a trauma bond which is highly addictive believe me i specialize now in helping people heal from trauma bonds and narcissistic abuse and and it feels like death to those people because it's like stockholm syndrome you know that they're not good for you but what causes you to keep going back you take some steps to to gain your sovereignty and all of a sudden, what happens? You get pulled back into the dragon's lair. Ah, why? Well, I'm going to answer that with uh, all this to say. I'm going to answer that with the top seven most common abandonment wound symptoms to watch out for. Because abandonment, the wound, the fear of abandonment is what keeps us going back. Without resolving this one thing, I... The way it showed up for me was I took in somebody that a whole healthy human being would never have dreamed of, of, you know, making my girlfriend for four years, let alone letting her kind of like as an independent contractor kind of help me with the running of my company. I wouldn't have dreamed it. She was a former sex worker, former exotic dancer, and she was working as a madam for, for sex workers, exploiting women on the backs and the, you know, uh, sex work of women. She was working as a uh, support worker for, for them as a kind of like a madam. She used to joke, I'm a hustler with a heart of gold. Just, you know, there's a dichotomy there. Lovely human being, animal rights lover, all this stuff, but then has this kind of like crazy psychopathic side to her and just kind of like the red flags were there. So why didn't I, why didn't I move on? Well, because for me, it was the fear of abandonment, you know, and, and fear of abandonment comes for, from, for very many reasons. Children who felt deserted 
Where does, where does your fear of abandonment come from? Well, a child that felt deserted due to divorce, death, foster care, daycare, you know, even the people's peeps in our community being, uh, being, um, what's it called? Uh, adopted. There's a deep abandonment wound that was there before you were verbal. In my case, when I was two years old, my parents left, uh, my mom left to come to Canada to explore immigrating before I was really even verbal. So that wound, that abandonment wound was deep in my body. And I would choose partners that I was never, for the way it showed up for me, I was never afraid of them leaving because there was a huge discrepancy. They were wounded souls that I had to fix. That way I knew they would never leave. That's how my abandonment wound uh, symptom, that's very common one. That's the first one I wanna share. It's mine, I mean, I'm not gonna, that's not one that, that I see most commonly. It's weird. I, the most common ones we see that the people that we help, I'm gonna share with you the ones that I see most commonly. But if let me know if that resonates with you. You deliberately choose people kind of beneath your level of healing because somebody who's got their shit together would definitely leave me and I couldn't handle that. So I'm going to go for somebody that, you know, because I don't really deserve somebody, you know, pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> so I'm going to go for somebody who kind of helps me get my needs met, but not somebody who I would ever ever consider for marriage. That's how it showed up for me. I got married, then I got divorced. And then a string of relationships later, who I right off the bat were safe because I was never going to marry them. Does that make sense to you? Maybe you're dating somebody like that. <laughs> Mad love and compassion towards you if you are. If you are, I know just the remedy, actually. It's odd how many people DM me going, you're exactly like my partner and that's why I want to work with you because I... I know that you've kind of evolved past that and I want to uh, be able to understand my partner or my ex because he was exactly like you. So I hear that a lot and I'm here to help anybody who uh, is ready to heal, who's ready to do the work. So um, children who felt uh, forsaken because they were physically, sexually, or emotionally abused, this would create an abandonment wound. Let me know if that resonates for you. Children whose basic needs were neglected by their parents, food, shelter, there's an abandonment wound. There's this lack of safety. There's no, there's this hypervigilance that is kind of embodied without you even being consciously aware of it. Some forms of abandonment are actually less obvious, but by no means less significant. Okay, so for instance, Abandonment wounds can come up because parents were emotionally unavailable because they were mentally ill or they were just at the throes of their substance abuse. Those of you who are parents who are dealing with that right now, this is how, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to say this is a good wake-up call to get get started on healing because that's what happens to the child. The, the, the kind of like there's, there's this, um, egocentric nature of children that we make everything about us. We don't have the capacity at the age of four to go, yeah, mom, mom, mom and dad, they got their substance abuse and mental illness issues. That's on them. It's nothing to do with me. No, a child says it must be because I'm not lovable. I don't deserve love. 
That's the egocentric nature of children. Siblings who perpetually teased, you know, uh, their brother or sister, boom, there's another uh, abandonment wound that'll come. Children who felt routinely ignored and were left to solve problems without any guidance, boom, there's an abandonment wound. These are the birthplaces of where your abandonment wounds come from. Adolescents who were constantly criticized and made to feel that it was not okay to make any mistakes, you're bad, boom. There's this hypervigilance that happens and it forms the makings of an abandonment wound or children who felt mounting uncertainty when caregivers would repeatedly leave town or come home late. This lack of consistency creates an abandonment wound, okay? So I'm gonna share with you the most common uh, ones and you let me know any of these, if any of these uh, relate to you, I got my notes here that I'm checking in on. There's seven of them that I want you to see. Uh, the one, the first one I want to share that I don't have on this list. Let me know if that relates to you. Send me a DM and tell me about, tell me more about it, uh, especially if you want some guidance on it. Um, uh, is deliberately choosing partners that you are not going to ever, um, <laughs> you know, go the distance with. They're safe because if, if I don't lose them, big fucking deal. I'm not going to marry that one. Hello, that was me. Okay, so the first one is a pervasive insecurity. Insecurity. Basically, we set this, um, you know, everything that happens in a relationship, let's say you're in a relationship, you make everything about you. Are they mad at me? What did they mean by that? What does that text message mean? You're literally at fault for everybody else's emotions. And you're responsible for everybody else's emotions. You know, it's the deep core of this behavior is that, oh, I'm unlovable. And, and that I'm unlovableness, that's the meaning that we make about that those early attachment wounds and then now they play out in relationship dynamics so what happens is this insecurity if not dealt with and healed what happens is it, it eventually does push people away because they don't feel seen and heard they eventually are like fuck this i'm out of here and you end up feeling the very thing you were trying to avoid with all this ruminating does that make sense that's the first one the second sign is trauma reenactment. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less it means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds anytime there's reactivity there's a wound and if you're curious and inspired to learn more join us at breathwork and badassery or the overview experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live 
and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. And what that means is trauma, that's an E, sorry about that, reenactment. See, what happens is Freud calls it the repetition compulsion. It's fucked up. I get it. I know you're like, how could I be doing this? Unconsciously, you're not doing this consciously, but unconsciously, we are unconsciously trying to reset the stage to recreate in adulthood what we experienced in childhood. For example, your father had an affair on your mother and you felt you were taking care of your mother and you felt the wound of it. You felt the, the absolute um, horror and the, the, the pain of it. Guess what unconsciously happens? We unconsciously find partners intuitively, energetically. It's fucked up. This is the woo part of it. This is why trauma healing is completely a spiritual path. Don't try to kind of logically think your way through this. Logically, it doesn't make sense. But energetically, we're unconsciously recreating these dynamics because there's a child inside of us that wants union with ourselves. Those moments that we observe the abandonment wound, the, the, when the abandonment wound gets activated, we end up turning around and abandoning ourselves. So unconsciously, we start to repeat these fucked up dynamics. One relation, that's why when you, you know, that's why people will say, every single partner I've ever been with, exactly the same thing has happened. They, one guy we, I was working with, one gentleman, he's a doctor, five relationships where the woman physically abused him. Think about it. He was the victim of violence, domestic violence, five relationships in a row. Not saying it's his fault, but it was at one point he was watching my content. He's like, okay, there's something here. I know it's not my fault, but there's something here that I'm not looking at and I'm ready to look in the mirror. And lo and behold, after our first breath work, a, a, a memory came up when his when he was 11 years old and his father was physically abusing him. So it's the 11 year old inside of him that keeps reenacting relationship patterns where he gets abused. I'm not saying it's his fault. He was very clear, was very clear. It's nobody's fault. It's an unconscious pull to compulsively repeat what was unresolved in childhood so that we can heal it. And if we don't, we then get to repeat it in the next fucking relationship, same person, different haircut. How many of these did I have to go through these same repetitive patterns where I would go through the same cycle where I woke up and I said, fuck, enough, enough. What is it gonna take? So I had a wake-up call. He had a wake-up call. It was physical abuse in his marriage. And he was like, I'm ready to heal this. And here he is, boom, he's healed it. He's on a new path. Um, still untangling from trauma bonds. Sometimes they take years and you don't want to go at it alone. Believe me, you want to have guidance. But trauma reenactment, if you find yourself, this is one of the symptoms of unresolved attachment trauma. You are literally going from one relationship to another. This reminds me of one of our clients, facilitators, Emily. She's like, every single time I keep getting into the same, I was abandoned by my husband. Then th now three relationships after he left 
And now I'm like, why do I keep feeling abandonment? I was like, eh, it's called trauma reenactment, my dear. So guess what? She's now, she jumped in. We did the work. We healed. Uh, we worked towards, he, I don't want to say healed in the past sense because healing is, an, is a spiritual journey that's for the rest of our lives. But now she's attracted a relationship who she's like, it feels totally different. I don't feel the abandonment anxiety, which by the way, is a weird kinky reenactment. We are, we, we, we're attracted to it. So she was no longer attracted to that. And she now is, was attracted to a safe partner and is working towards building safety and security and receiving because there's part of her was like, I don't feel worthy of receiving all this. And so that was also the trauma reenactment. It was to repattern and rewire her undeserving of receiving. And she's in probably the most secure relationship she's ever been in, including her marriage, where she doesn't have to worry about this fear of abandonment. Doesn't I'm like, I keep asking her, do you have the fear of abandonment? She goes, no, I don't have this abandonment anxiety. She's done the work. She's doing the work. Is this re resonating with you? I just want to know, is any of this resonating? What, where would you see? Do you see any of these happening? So number three, what's number three? Number three is chronic unworthiness. This is one of your signs and symptoms of abandonment anxiety. Chronic unworthiness is basically this experience where you don't trust your own judgment and you second guess everything as though, why would you trust somebody who isn't good enough? Because you feel unworthy and not good enough. So you can't trust your judgment because why would you trust your judgment? Because you're not good enough. And you're constantly asking people for advice and you don't even trust anyone. Here's the worst part. You don't even trust anyone who shows up for you because there must be something wrong with them to want to be with somebody so fucking unworthy. When we don't heal this, the right relationship shows up and we will push it away because there must be something wrong with them. <clears throat> Secure love feels gross, feels icky because we mistake this abandonment, this pining, we mistake that for love. And we mistake secure attachment for boredom. Welcome to my life. If I hadn't done my own healing work, somebody like Diana, who's my wife, she would have come into my life and I just would have totally overlooked her because she didn't have the brokenness traits that I was so into when I was like totally into cluster B types because woo, I was into the wounded bird, right? But as I healed, I attracted and was attracted to a different type. And that's how we, we got to take on a whole new identity. You're not going to be able to have healthy, secure relationships with the same identity that brought you into that toxic trauma bond. It's just not possible. You're living all the therapy that you do. That's why it's so frustrating because you're just talking, telling your story and venting from the perspective of your old identity that you're, that's never going to have a secure relationship only by adopting and becoming a new identity that feels secure in themselves, that is um, not living from a place of chronic unworthiness, but from a place of, hey, I deserve. You know, this is one of the symptoms of 
abandonment wound that you got to look for this chronic unworthiness let me know if that resonates with you and a good test that i i do with people is the embodiment test so you close your eyes and imagine yourself in a healthy secure relationship and then all of a sudden as you feel the goodness of that all of a sudden your body will start to contract and the shadows start to come up and everything that's ever stopped you from that secure relationship will show up in your body this is where we address this is where when we're working with our cycle breakers we address that thing that thing that when i say oh i want a secure relationship okay great imagine yourself receiving like abundance of love with a partner who's all in with you close your eyes and try that on all of a sudden the body goes <laughs> That's where we address. We address that directly. And if we don't address that part directly, then all the medication and all the therapy, talking, 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 telling your victim story, why won't anyone love me? Why are they narcissists? It's not going to fucking work. What outcome do you want? Decide on the outcome. Find a guide that's going to help you get the exact outcome, not somebody who's just going to validate one, your one-sided story. So first, I mean, it's important to have our story validated with compassion and empathy. That goes without saying. I'll, but the problem is if you're still telling your story, your wounded story, your victim story, two years later and talking about that narcissist and diagnosing people and still living in that and you haven't moved forward, it's time to take a closer look. It's time to find a different guide that's going to actually hold a mirror who lovingly will, you know, call you forward to growth, to call you forward in taking responsibility, to call you forward in healing what's stuck within your body, the stuck survival stress. Does that make sense? Number four. Number four is heightened emotional sensitivity. sensitivity to everything anything that like becoming trigger happy you're constantly triggered one of my clients that i'm working with literally he's like fuck my girlfriend triggers me every day and this christmas he had a huge shift he's like wow i was able to see my girlfriend's emotions and not make her emotions mean something about me. He's now progressing and healing his abandonment wound. He's made huge leaps and bounds in only eight weeks. Considering he had, you know, trauma when he was a child, his father died right in front of him when he was five years old, died of a heart attack in the car when he picked him up from school. Boom. Talk about trauma, childhood trauma. And that causes an abandonment wound. Of course, he's lived his life with paralyzing anxiety, chronic pain, and hypervigilance, constantly worried about somebody leaving him and his girlfriend constantly triggering him, heightened emotional sensitivity. You know, anything that triggers your rejection, your abandonment, your feelings of insignificance becomes hypersensitized. Being able to take feedback Oh, feedback or criticism feels like an attack when you have emotional heightened sensitivity. Heightened emotional sensitivity. You know, any feedback from the person sharing their feelings to you is taken like a freaking injury. You get wounded, you know, and so it's just then as a result, if we don't nip that in the bud, others just feel safer. 
keeping their feelings to themselves to not, you know, it's kind of like what, <laughs> what I was doing. It's like my brother and me with my mother. Don't tell mom because the emotional sensitivity, ooh, easily triggered doesn't create a sense of safety to the people around us. And people who don't feel safe around us, people go to where they feel safe. And if it's not around me, they're gonna leave. Thereby, my emotional abandonment wound causes, unfortunately, the very thing that I'm afraid of, which is people to leave, because they don't feel safe around me. Does this make sense? Once I took it on and healed and worked towards healing, and I don't, I, I correct myself whenever I use healed with the past tense because it's an ongoing process that we're constantly learning and making incremental progress with when we have the right tools. People feel a lot safer with me. My relationships are stronger. People can stay, say how they feel about me. They can bring their negativity towards me. You know, the trolls, we get a lot of trolls that get triggered and activated because they don't read everything that I'm saying and they just immediately react and they start attacking me. I can handle that too. Because as I worked on healing my attachment traumas, my abandonment wounds start to dial down and this heightened emotional sensitivity turns to self-confidence. That's why I call it trigger-proof. Trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. I still get triggered and activated. However, I'm able to self-regulate. Being emotionally um, sensitive, heightened emotional sensitivity, pushes intimacy away, which leads me to number six, the last two. Number six, sorry, number five. Number five is lack of trust. Lack of trust is one of the huge signs of abandonment, unresolved abandonment wounding. It's kind of like you really can't rely on others uh, because of the wounding. You know, I, this happened because of my mother when I was two. So I just didn't really trust women uh, to be there. So the way that I reacted was I'd have three or four women going at the same time, right? Which then caused me to act in less than trustable, dependable ways. So I became the very reason for my behavior was my fear of abandonment. You know, it causes into infidelity is caused by a fear of abandonment. I'm not, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of this person leaving me. So I'm just going to go fuck as many people and have a few on the side just to protect me from that paralyzing fear. Does that make sense? A lack of trust. You, you learn you can't rely on others and you keep others at arm's length, which makes you kind of less trustworthy. You know, this is where our avoidant attachment peeps. Avoidant attachment peeps in full effect. Throw your hands in the air. Hello, me too. Avoidant attachment is actually is aban is abandonment anxiety i'm gonna leave you you know i'm gonna i'm gonna keep my distance from you right number six number six is emotional lability lability extreme mood swings this feeling like you don't have a sense of skin between you and the outside world constantly at the effect of other people's emotions, constantly enmeshed with other people, hypervigilant, 
at the mercy of the world, of the outside world. That's what emotional dysregulation is, is that I don't have a shape, a boundary around me. It's all about what other people are feeling. You go from extremely angry to anxious and depressed, all in an effort to protect your heart from completely shattering from rejection. Talk about living in hell, right? And this kind of like you're constantly afraid of people leaving you, right? So you're just in your head, you're avoiding your feelings. This paves the way for obsessive thinking and rumination, overanalyzing what people mean, what do they mean, causing you to get defensive, constantly disconnected and constantly feeling misunderstood. When we don't heal the root cause, we just don't feel safe in our own skin. And that's a really shitty thing to be. And it doesn't have to be that way if we're willing to do the work. I mean, I looked at my life. I was 43 years old and I'm like, fuck, whatever distance I have to travel, whatever a price I have to pay, whatever it takes, I got to figure out how to heal these abandonment wounds because they're affecting every area of my life. It sucks to live in my skin not feeling safe with myself, which leads me to number seven, which is what I was doing is sabotaging relationships. Sabotaging relationships, deeply desiring connection. However, when it happens, having a paralyzing fear of intimacy or being engulfed by the other person. So this part of you comes up that's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to lose myself in this person. So I'm just going to leave them just to protect me from the fear of rejection. I'm going to leave you first. Those are the top seven ways that abandonment anxiety shows up. Let me know if any of these relate to you. Which one has been showing up lately? And my invitation for you is, when is a good time for you to find the right guidance and really commit to healing with the parts of you that through no fault of your own, like I explained at the beginning, where this, these come from, they're not your fault you know, one of the biggest criticisms I get in my work is that I victim blame. I'm not blaming the victim. I'm saying we're all victims. And if we don't do the work, we then become perpetrators. Hashtag me too. We all are the same. So why don't we, this is the work and to be in our cycle breakers program it takes, you know, you apply to get in, there's a deposit, there's an application process because we want to weed out those who are feeling entitled, who are ready to, you know, who are ready to take on the work and take responsibility, not blame. We're looking for the people who are actually, who believe what we believe, who are believe that health is available if you're just willing to make your own healing a priority which is very, very strange because if you're at, you were conditioned to believe that you're focusing on you and your healing is selfish, you're going to have some resistance to this process. Bring it on. Bring it on. You're going to have to bring all of that, that, those fears with you. Don't wait 
till you're not scared. Bring your scared self. And if this is resonating with you, this is the end of the year. Don't wait for New Year's resolutions. Learn the skills. What skills are you willing to download into your system so that next year you can have a totally different experience of life? What's more important than that, than the health of the relationship within yourself? To feel safe in your own skin. To be able to walk away from somebody because you see the red flags and they're not good for you. If we don't heal the abandonment wound, then we're at the effect of that. We won't walk away from the red flags. I didn't. I was too afraid of being alone because I hadn't dealt with my unresolved attachment wounds. When you do, you're able to speak your truth and you give the person an opportunity. This is what I'm available for. This is what I'm not. And those that are for you will step up and meet you. And you'll have a weird experience. Somebody who actually shows up for you and you'll feel worthy of receiving that. Picture that. If that sounds intriguing to you and you're actually committed, send me a DM, let me know why, and I'll send you an application. I want to find out if you're actually sincere, if you're entitled, you think that you're entitled or you feel that you're, you know, um, you just want to tell your victim story and have it validated and not look in the mirror. You might not be the right fit, but if you believe that you're, Healing is a birthright, that secure relationships are your birthright, and that wasn't your fault, but here you are with these abandonment wounds because of no fault of your own, because of the way that the cards were dealt and the experiences that you had. It wasn't my fault that I, you know, my, my son is two years old in the recording of this. I can only imagine what, what trauma he would feel if his mom left for three months. That's what happened to me. And unconsciously, that informed my behavior through no fault of my own, but I showed up as an avoidant who played the field, who couldn't commit, much maybe much like somebody you're dating, <laughs> somebody who you're married to, or you know somebody you're still recovering from. I just want you to know that if you're like me or you're dating someone like me, I see you. Um, I've come through on the other side. I'm not an expert or a scholar uh, and researcher. I'm a dude who's connected the dots, who's dedicated his life to teaching people how to heal trauma bonds. And I want to talk to those who are like, fuck it, I'm ready. I want 2023 to be totally different than the unconscious patterns that I've had. And it would be really cool for you to guide me, even though Partially, you might be repulsed. <laughs> if you're not too repulsed by my direct approach and loving, compassionate kind of kicks in the butt that I like to give the peeps who are in the community, they really like that. I might not be your cup of tea. That's fine. What I'm saying is find a guide because we can't do it alone and yet nobody could do it for us. I sure as shit did not get here into what I deem to be the most secure, stable relationship I've ever had by myself or just by watching some fucking YouTube videos and reading some books. They're great. Keep those going. The problem is you're not getting critical feedback from someone who can see through your bullshit. <laughs> so my invitation is to find somebody who cares enough to hold a mirror to your face and to help you turn inward consistently again and again when all you want to do is point fingers and play the victim which I have compassion towards, 
But when you're ready to break that cycle, send me a DM, let me know, and I'd be happy to see if it's the right fit. Sending you so much love and let me know what was the thing that resonated the most with you on this training. And uh, see you at the next perfect time.